You really have to seek that particular product out. You really have to seek out those performances and experiences. And in turn, you gain a very loyal clientele that stay with you. And most of those practices have clients that stay. Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne. And I'm here with Denise Brinsky and Peter Boyd, both designers from the Six Label and also teaching at the um, in the School of Fashion and Textiles. And they've recently opened, or probably not so recently, but they've had opened a, a store that's in Melbourne six, that's about six, six months. months ago. Welcome to the program. Thanks, David. Thank you so much, David. No, it's always lovely to catch up, um, Denise and Peter. I asked you when you started Six, and you said it was 1994. Four, which is quite amazing given the nature of fashion. That's coming on to almost 30 years. I mean, really, in a few years' time, it'll be 30 years. So that's a long time. And so you must have seen every possible phase of fashion in the last 30 years and well before. And you both uh, completed uh, doctorates at RMIT under Leon Van Schaik. So tell me a little bit about, it's kind of a good time to talk about fashion because we've, we're just coming out of COVID. I'm, I think we're still there. And, you know, I could say something controversial, but is fashion dead after this long two or three years with people dressing in lycra? Mm. Like where's it, where, what's happened? What's the effect it's had on you, you personally? Mm. I mean, that's a really interesting question, Stephen, <laughs> you know, and we were pondering it during the pandemic because our practice is largely, um, it's largely based around the private clients and a lot of them, by the very nature of our practice, um, you know, it's very intimate and a lot of our clients just did not take well to moving online. So we had to make a decision about about that. Um Coming out of the pandemic, though, what we've found is that people really, because they were really shop, they've started to shop and support local again. And even though there's been a bit of an, inf- like a bit of an influx of shopping online, our clients and we're finding new clients do like to actually rediscover the shopping experience, and because they're probably a little bit jaded after the online. Now, maybe Peter disagrees with me on this yeah. point. So um, do you, you do not do online at all? Not at all, not at so all. So the idea is if you walk into Six La Chambre, uh, which is at the uh, at the rear of George's, the old George's, the, you know, um, you'll just, you, that's really the only place you can see the collection of Six. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's based in Little Collins Street. And the reason being is that, you know, we do prefer to have that very intimate experience. And I think it might have, well, was it Naomi? Naomi said to us once, I've never, you know, I've never been able to experience couture. And, you know, coming to six when we had our space previously in Crossley Street in Bon House. Um, you know, we were able to give the clients a very, well, the experience of being able to be fitted and also more or less play within the government. Yeah. Do you think, Peter and Denise, that, you know, with COVID, 
And, you know, people, uh, you know, it's been a tough time for people and they kind of, you know, they yeah. have got around in pretty awful things. Um, but coming out of it now that they are wanting to dress up more and even if they haven't got anywhere particularly in, to go in mind, it's that sense of occasion they're almost looking for. We called our space La Chambre. So what does that actually mean? The bedroom. And exactly. But it, it means a room, and a room belongs in a house. And if we think about traditional couture and we think about traditional houses, they occupied a house. Um, so dressing up and the notion of wearing and dressing up mm. has been with us for centuries. Yeah. You don't have to leave your house or space to get dressed up. Um, I think more importantly about talking about COVID, um, whether it's negative or not, it was an, it's, it's an important experience. We needed to recalibrate. We really needed to rethink our values. Um, and some things shouldn't come back. And that's a designer's job. Um, so Char- what, what do you, Peter, what do you think, you know, in terms of those two years of soul searching, because everyone's gone through it, whether mm. you're a, uh, you know, a leading fashion designer or a writer or whoever, what are the things that you, you both contemplated that you perhaps did previously that you no longer do and that you just feel like that wasn't going anywhere and we kind of pursued it for a long time? What would that be, apart from difficult clients? And I imagine you, <laughs> I imagine if you do get them, you kind of, you know, you're aware of them. But what are the things that you perhaps do differently now, Peter? I mean, again, just picking up on the digital aspect and digital platforms and us refusing or revolting against those platforms, um, we're also known for having quite sort of impactful archives. So to, do, to sort of acquire the archives that we have, we need to work in digital spaces as well. Digital spaces have changed the value of fashion. But my point with Denise, in terms of behavioural patterns, if you're a ripoff in the real world, or a scammer, you are in the digital as well, your behaviour does not change. Um, it allows you to do other things. Um, Maybe the digital space allows you to be more ambiguous or deceptive just by its practical, its nature, mm-hmm. as the physical world does not. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more tangible, of course. But we've always, we've always um, taken pride and I, I guess it's sort of a model maybe from very rigorous practices like Comme des Garçons or Matamajala that really... Um, work their clients quite hard. You really have to seek that particular product out. You really have to seek out those performances and experiences. And in turn, you gain a very loyal clientele Mm. that stay with you. And most of those practices have clients that stay. Yeah, I was going to say, Denise, I mean, you you were one of the few who were really taking up uh, in the vein of Martin Margiela in the 90s. Uh, I think you'd admit to that. But there weren't many others doing that. And you've kind of, uh, you know, you've, you've 
Well, you've, yeah. This, this well, is very it, interesting. It's, it's, but it's, you've, a, but yeah. you've, it's not that. It's no. something else. It's obviously uh, something else. Yeah. But in terms of deconstructive, it's still that thread still continues today. So it does. it's something that, mm-hmm. you know, rather mm. than changing, like mostly fashion changes from season to season and there's always different looks and different... But, you know, with a six garment, because my partner has a lot of uh, your work, um, you know, she can wear something that you did in the 90s and it still looks relevant. Yeah. It's not something that I think, oh, that's so nice. 90s, whatever yeah, yeah, that this means. Is really, yeah, yeah, this is very, very interesting. You know, deconstruction, recycling. Recycling is a big Sustainability. one. Sustainability. Here we see the entire circle here. Um, and the use of, you know, sustainable design. Is this, is this really deconstruction? This is what I'm, you know, because when you think about our early work and, you know, we're working with found garments, we're excavating them, we're turning them upside down, we're turning them inside out but and I suppose that you know to look at the practice now you asked how have we changed or what have we what have we brought with us it's definitely that method of making the other element as to you know do the do the garments look um do they age no they don't because we've picked up on one classic archetype that you'll see all the way through our practice, and that's the tailored jacket. (laughs) Now, whether you call it a tailored jacket or, you know, it's an outer body covering, this is something that we're really fascinated with and this is something that's really picked up on every single, um, whether it's a collection or expression. And, Denise, is that more structured than the other pieces usually? Yes and no. Yes and no, because we have this ongoing inquiry into looking at the making, looking at, you know, it might be the shoulder line, the making. Um, sometimes, you know, we're pulling things apart. We're looking at purely the lining. Um, we're adding in, you know, um, newer materials as well and there's always a surface treatment. How do you feel, both of you, because, you know, you kind of, when you start something, and I'm talking about 1994, mm. and it was a very, I still remember because I have a long memory, and it was very new at the time, and it's still very fresh, but, you know, so many people now are doing deconstructed. I mean, even mainstream labels, you know, it's very much that. I mean, mm. I'm wearing a jacket today. Mm. It's very, you know, colour-blocked, um, very deconstructed. It's almost... It's almost, you know, it's become more mainstream now. So it must be strange when you work on something, you know, nearly 30 years ago and all of a sudden it's kind of accepted. <laughs> so how do you feel about that? Is it something like, is it, you think, oh, were we too early? Or are you kind of, when you see that in in the mass, you kind of get put off and go, oh, we better go into more classical all of a sudden. I mean, staying, staying with um, the inception of our, our label and company, which uh, ha- happened in 1994, we graduated in 1992, and we set up we set up a space in Flinders Lane, which we shared with graphic designers, musicians, artists, other people. We kept on working individually how we were working at RMIT, and then in people came, people went. In 1994, we set up a partnership, um, but. Talking about other practices and Matamajala, it was very important of the way we started. And Matamajala really looked um, or revolted against um, the the notion of a single person. So the house would always talk in the plural, as in we, never I, which is a real 
hang-up of design. The 80s was all about, no. you know, Look Christian Dior or, you know, Terry Mugler, the personality. Yeah. Yeah. And as we all know, movements are created from groups of people. And, of course, a certain, usually one designer is held responsible, but it's it's a group of people. And it was the first time that we... we heard about the Antwerp Six, that they were a group of people that met at university, that met at art school, mm. that set up. They all had different voices and different aesthetics, but they came under one sort of commonality, which is what a community is. And that's how we started. So apart from the aesthetics of deconstruction, it was more about sort of revolting against, you know, Morrissey Edmonston. No, they were a duo <laughs> because we never used our names. Yeah. We le- I guess we were influenced by Comme des Garçons, not using Ray Kawakubo, but yeah. using a descriptor or so a word. What mm. were, look, from memory, you'll have to tell me because I'm getting older now. What was six... What was the idea for six? What was the name from? It was our room number. It was your room number. It was our original, our very first studio room number. So you're still at six, La Chambre, so it's still appropriate to call it six. And that's actually the address as well, or is that just your... No, that's 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 the little name. Six La Chambre. And it's interesting, you know, because, well, La Chambre sneaks in, and here we have the introduction of the use of French language, and this came about when we were analysing um, and researching for our PhD. You know, what was it that really pulled the practice together? What was it that we were really interested in? We kept bringing up Paris and going back to Paris, and so we started this whole imagined dialogue around a lot of our collections and our interests, and this is where the French language comes in. Denise, a good point in terms of bringing up Paris because, you know, you and Peter both regularly travelled to Japan for sourcing fabrics and, you know, Europe, Belgium. Um, And for the last two years, I'd have to say you probably haven't done that type of travel. And what effect has that had on you, say, uh, economically and also emotionally? Like, do you feel a bit, you know, zapped at the moment of inspiration because it must Mm. be, you know, for someone like you who've been used to travelling. Very, uh, very good question. And I suppose it comes back to your your previous question about how did the pandemic change or affect us. The thing about six is that we just, we're very fluid. And so as something might slow down here we go over there so we have many different expressions to the practice really so yes we can we couldn't travel and what do we do we put a lot of our energy into into reading and also really researching some of our own surface techniques or you know and like many other designers everything was coming via the the internet and the digital space and this is you know this is where you sort of start to change shift your priorities and I suppose also because you're working a lot with recycled materials Mm. you know yes you could go to the markets the flea markets of Paris or Japan and you know I'm sure you'd find amazing things but I'm sure you find I don't want you to reveal your sources in Australia but I'm sure you find interesting things in your own back garden that you think, oh, my God. Well, absolutely, Stephen. It's not even our own back garden. It's our clients' back gardens (laughs) because our clients bring in their pieces to be reconstructed and that 
Your pieces or other pieces? Anything. Sometimes our pieces for another treatment, and yeah. or sometimes um, a garment for sentimental reasons, whatever it may be. So mm. we we used to working in that sort of space, and why we work that way. And we've done that from day one. I mean, recycling or reconstituting another designer's work starts to challenge authorship and authenticity of the original design in the first place. So this is a movement that was happening in terms of um, music sampling back in the early 90s. And we were doing that with um, fashion design. So, Peter, in terms of when you are refashioning, um, say, a, a labelled garment, whoever it is, you know, in terms of copyright and things like that, you know, being technical, what percentage of the original do you, can you kind of get away with? Like, if you keep, say, 20% of the label, then it becomes, and you've recreated into a six garment, or is it, you know, if you only do 50-50, it's still a bit questionable. So what's, how much do you have to change the original to make it your own? Or you've never thought about that? No, probably. Yeah, never thought about it. And again, it's 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 a contentious issue. Again, staying in the digital space, I've seen people put up a pair of trousers, mm. or no, let's say a, a pair of jeans where the pocket or the stitching on the pocket implies a certain designer. Yeah. And then they've sewn in the blank label of Martin Margiela and then you are buying that. Oh, so if you think it's Mata Majala, yeah. that's your problem or yeah. that's your position yeah. on, 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 on that design. Yeah. Um, it actually shows your, 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 your knowledge. Yeah. So um, it's, it's still a very, like Denise said, it's, it's, it's a contentious but a sort of fluid space. And I think, I think these spaces are, are creative spaces to occupy. Once we start to really set up frameworks, mm-hmm. it just becomes boring again, yeah. Yeah. you yeah, know, Dem- and those yeah. limitations. De- Demna talks about it too. Um, Demna from, you know, Demna from Vetemont and yes. Balenciaga. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is this well, brought, when, when brought he, this into the discussion. When he was first challenged oh. about creating pieces that looked very close or even replicas of Mata Majala's work. Mm. He said, but what's the problem? I work there. Matan taught us. So mm. um, it's a language and a dialogue. So I, I guess that <laughs> when, when it stays in a fine art space, it's fine. But when it gets into a commercial space where commerce is involved and yeah. people are making money, it's a very contentious space. Yeah. And, and that's here. where the yeah. lawyers come in yeah. and lots of other things. So, um, again, like Denise said, <laughs> we've always straddled when it maybe gets a bit too hot in that area. We'll, <laughs> we'll move we'll, over. We'll, we'll move on. Um, now, as... as senior um, lecturers at RMIT in the School of Fashion and Textiles, it must be really exciting because really, you know, when you see the energy of some of the young students coming in, how do you know when, you know, look, it's a challenging industry, it's damn tough, but how do you know when someone's got that magic and you just know that this person is kind of left of centre and is bound for great mm. things. I mean, there's been students that have gone on for big careers from RMIT. I mean, people like Sam Fisher ended up going to to work with Vivian Westwood. Uh, Srilly Recht uh, is a big name, and he's come back, I think, to RMIT. Um, so how do you know when someone's truly great mm. and coming with really 
innovative ideas rather than just nicely made clothes? Well, this is a really interesting question. You know, sometimes it doesn't happen in first year or second year. It, it, you don't you have know, to mention names. Cause I don't no, want to students, anyone. students are, are going on a stri- along on a path and then all of a sudden, third year, possibly fourth year if they go on to do the honours, you see a turn and a change. And... Peter, would, Peter teaches into year four, I, I teach into year three. So, you know, we're very, we see different levels with the students, but it's really, I suppose it comes through, you know, you see you see the way that they start to articulate some of the briefs that are said and also the research that does accompany it. And that's when you think, wow, this is, this is, this is pretty special. And also working with materials that are very... Um, you know, they're not expensive and they're very, you know, there's there's something that you'd see in the everyday and then how they've been able to manipulate the materials. So it's the ideas. Yeah, the ideas, yeah. So, you know, with third, at the moment we've got an exit point in third year. And? We have an exit point in third year and yeah. then, you know, Peter works into year four and that's, of course, the honours year. So, you know... What we're seeing at the moment with the year threes, of course, they're at a very different, <laughs> different level, but it really is the innovation of the materials, but also being able to work in the digital space as well. And when you see a student that can really straddle that, that's when you think, well, you know, you, you're really... You're really and quite special. I mean, we won't name names. But no, don't name names. It's embarrassing. And, <laughs> others, right. who, and others who haven't made That's the cut right. would be... Um, no, um, but I was going to ask you... Um, uh, God, I've lost my um, thought. But, you know, you have... You know, when you were going through, or even in your early days, mm. Martin Margiela deconstructed, you know, it was really important and it still carried through to, the, obviously, the way you... Um, uh, educate students because I think it's important that you know they have that knowledge. Who are the? Um, I mean, it might be your taste, but who are the kind of fashion people that you know? You the wide-eyed students who come in first year and say, you know, without you know, oh, I just love you know, um, I don't know what's the name, you know, Paris Hilton look or you know, like who are the <laughs> gonna... who are the fashion stars that younger people are? Because I'm an older person, but you know, they must come in with an idea of who they think is you know, just super cool. Mm. I'm going to shed some light maybe a little bit on time. Yeah. I.e., because you've sort of said, Denise and I, we've been together for over 30 years, and also this um, uh, sort of teaching pedagogy. I think one thing that's instrumental and even our own education is a certain tension. I mean, I hated my lecturer. You don't even mention the person's name. No, I won't. <laughs> well, I, when I you went through. He, he's passed on, yeah. but I couldn't understand at the time. It was that tension that you need. Once you become complacent, you've lost everything. And in terms of, I never forget, um, you, you can have the best business model in fashion. We saw it with Isaac Mizrahi and go bankrupt. So 
How do you make it? It's like looking in a crystal ball. And I never forget Tim Blanks interviewed Susie Menkes in 1993. And he goes, you know, you go to all these shows. What are you looking for? And she replied, that shiver down your spine. You don't know, but you know when it's happened. You sense change or you sense potential and a real shift. Mm. Now, you you need to align a lot Mm. of tangible things But then there's one ingredient and it's usually, well, it's timing when it happens and everything sort of aligns and that's the shift. Um, you, You cannot plan it. Yeah, I agree. No one planned for COVID. I think you know, it, but we all had to adapt, yeah. and so it's it's sort of. Well, I think it is. That. I mean, look, I I only write a little bit on fashion. I wish I could write more. I love it, um, but even when you see architecture, design, and the broader design area, you don't actually have to say anything. When you see it, you know, mm-hmm. and I think you do know. You don't even have to mention anything. You don't talk. You just absorb the joy. And you know, it's like that, as you said, Peter, that shiver down your back. You said, it's yeah. something I haven't seen before. And it might be yeah. familiar, but it's taken in a different way. And, and that is the language of design that, that, that transcends um, verbal languages and, and, and communications. I mean, we've said it many, many times. Like, when you do go to a seminal show... You know, what have you, been the seminal shows for you, Peter? Uh, well, well Mutter Marjello in 1996, <laughs> Mutter Marjello in 2001, Alexander McQueen in mm. 1996. Mm. And, you know, you were in a room of, yeah, of, of oh, wow. people from all sorts of backgrounds, rich, poor, yeah. geographical persuasions, but everyone speaking the same language in that space. When you see that presentation of a designer's collection and um isimiyaki talks about that that it's 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 universal and but sometimes you don't get that shiver down your spine you know and then everyone's trying to work out what went yeah. wrong and then that 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 becomes another conversation yeah. i think what's so lovely about mark magella because the film was out recently is that the audiences were so mixed and like he had one show in the 90s where he invited the local uh, indigenous community, That's and everyone was kind of surrounding. <laughs> the models weren't, tr- you know, That's trained. Right. The sense of connectivity to a broader audience that you don't have to be uh, in the in crowd to be invited, and the idea of a mm. front row seat. Mm. I mean, how pretentious is that? Yes, really? I, I mean, yeah. I think that's just nauseous. You I know. think so too. And it's really interesting with that show because Jenny Murrens is pictured up on standing up on a a big box, screaming, "Sit here in this row, go there," because they had yes. no notion of the front row. Yeah, and, oh, lovely. And you know, and they it was. It was staged there well, because there was no money. I mean, <laughs> the, the voiceover, Mata Majala said, you know, first in, first served. Yeah. That, that's how they worked it. They didn't yeah. wait for the limos. Yeah. They didn't wait for Anna. Not yeah. that Anna would have gone. Yeah. Probably she, she would have sent an assistant. Um, I know Anna doesn't go to Comte de Garçon, but yeah. she had to when the yeah. Met Gala did the yeah. retrospective. Yeah. But um, that's what he said, first in, first serve. I mean, he is a deconstructionist and a modernist because mm. he 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 wasn't destroying or collapsing. He acknowledged the codes and the systems of our discipline but said, okay, well, our front row is just going to look a little bit different. Yeah. Everyone's going to get a front mm. row because we're just standing around and the models are just walking. E- everyone got a front row. Yeah. I think know? it's really refreshing. Yeah, I, I, do I, too. I, I I mean, you know, mm. far, going back years ago, I found it quite annoying 
the the fuss and you know the way things were kind of handled and you know you had to be someone special to be in the front row when really but but ha- having not place students yeah, in the front row uh, who are going to benefit from the having, experience ha- having said that um there was a great strategy and a lot of people probably don't know but like in 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 1993 the recycled designer um, Laman Kawati for Exuli Bed, who was known for the sort of first overlocked sweater dresses and so forth. What his strategy was that he found out when Jean-Paul Gaultier was doing his show and he knew that everyone would be lining up, because you had to, to get into the show. So he got all of his models and they did the show outside of Gaultier. So all the editors and everyone reluctantly or saw the show, took photos, and, and yes, yeah, so, I mean, strategies can happen, you know. And for you, getting back to six, you know, what's the best way of supporting six? Like, how does most of uh, the work come these days? Is it word of mouth, people just seeing, passing uh, six La Chambre, or is it, you know, how does how does it work now? I mean, or, you, you know, I know you're not really into the tech thing, um, as much. We've got we, our Instagram. You've got Instagram, which is which is well above well, what I do. Um, but where, do, where does where does it come now mainly? It is word of mouth. Word of it mouth. Is, it is word of mouth, and we're we're really fortunate that we have the clients that we have are very socially well connected, <laughs> and, and so we do have a lot of people. And they, as you said, they're they're clients who go back decades. People like Susan Con, who have been re- with you from the start. And you know, people, you know, you know, significant designers in their own right, um, you know. So they have been with you, and I suppose it's what do you enjoy most about um, fashion? I mean, I know there's <laughs> there's hard work, and there's there's times when you think, oh my god, you know, we've just done a collection, and it's kind of not exactly the way we plan. What are, what's the things that you on a high note? Let's end on a high note. What are the things that but, you still love to do? Yeah, I th- I, you hit the nail on, on on the head. We we do this job or we engage in this discipline because there's no definitive answer. No, that's right. As soon as you yeah. start a collection, you're halfway into it, you know it's going wrong for whatever yeah. reason. But you think. Okay, well, you've still got to present it, but you've Mm. got next season to make up for your mistakes. So... The, the ongoing, the ongoing, really. Yeah. I mean, Eve Sutherland spoke about this also. And it, uh, um, Denise and Peter, is your work represented in collections? Yes. Where, yes. Which collections, if people have wanted to see Where it? Our work's at the National Gallery of Victoria, the National Gallery of Australia and the... Oh, Hobart Art Museum. Hobart Art Museum and also the... Now, I always call it the powerhouse, but it's the it's muse- Museum, of, museum of Design, isn't it? Mass, I think it's yes. called. Look, um, thanks so much for coming on the program today. I feel like uh, time's just gone so quickly because I still remember you in the early 90s. And um, um, so, look, thanks so much for coming in, in today to speak to me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Likewise, Steve. Thank you. You've been listening to Denise Sprinsky and Peter Boyd from Six, who also... Uh, lecture at RMIT University in the School of Fashion and Textiles. Thanks so much for listening.